Genesis chapter number 50, we'll start reading just well, one verse of scripture in verse number 20. Genesis chapter number 50 and in verse number 20. We have you place, shout a big amen. And the Bible says this, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Look at what he said here in the text. He said, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. I want to preach on this thought this morning. God meant it for good. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your many blessings, God, that you bestowed upon us. God, we thank you, Lord, for the service that we've had so far. God, the spirit, Lord, that we felt in this place this morning. God, there's no doubt, Lord, that you that you hear, Lord, that your presence is real in this place. Now, God, Lord, I don't know how many you've already helped, Lord, but God, if there's anyone still here... God, Lord, that needs the message this morning. Lord, I pray that it would wrap around their heart's soul, God, and give them what they stand in need of. God, I pray that you'd empty us of sin and empty us of self, Lord. God, and fill us with your spirit and your power from on high this morning. God, give us unction and give us liberty. God, Lord, allow us to say only that that you'd have us to say. In Jesus' name we ask and we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. As I begin to think about what to preach this morning throughout this week, been praying and been studying on what God would have us to say. Uh, it was about midweek this week that this verse of Scripture came to mind. This is, a, uh, I have preached on this story. Uh, this story here about a man named Joseph covers about three or four chapters in Genesis. Uh, just about from his uh, birth unto this present time in this text that I just read and you hearing. And there's this thing that I was thinking about in the very first verse of Scripture when he's in the verse part of that Scripture in verse number 20. He says, but as for you, you thought evil against me. Now that basically is saying, as for you guys that are standing in front of me, speaking of his brothers, he's saying that you were, you were trying to hurt me. You were trying to harm me. And I was thinking about that uh, just as way of introduction so I can get you to where I want to get you this morning. I want to let everybody in here know, I don't care if you've been saved 20 seconds or you've been saved 50 years, whether you're black, white, green, or purple, six foot tall or four foot tall, uh, ugly or beautiful, it don't matter this morning, there's somebody that's out to get you. There is somebody that's out this morning to seek evil against you and harm against you. Uh, uh, your enemy is what we call him the devil. He is after your life. People, sometimes when things go wrong, they, they, they say to themselves, why does this keep happening to me? It's not by chance that bad things happen to you. It's not by chance, Brother Joe, that we, that we experience heartache and heartbreak and trouble and trials. Those those things do not happen by just coincidence, but they are the work of the devil. 
walk. See, we got to understand that this morning, if you're saved, you're in a war. Whether you realize it or not, the day that you got saved, you signed into your papers to an all-out war. And that war is against good and against evil. And if you're on the good team this morning, I promise you there's some evil that's going to head your way. There are going to be some things that's going to rock you to the core. And there, there's an enemy this morning that is going to try to take your head off spiritually speaking. He's going to do everything he can, Miss Luann. If he has to attack your health, he'll attack your health. If he has to attack your marriage, he'll attack your marriage. If he has to attack your home, he'll attack your home. And if he has to attack your entire life, he'll attack your entire life. You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, we find no better person to preach about this morning on this topic than the man by the name of Joseph. See, Joseph didn't just have one problem, child. He just didn't have one hard time. We find Job. Job had one hard time. It was bad for Job at this one particular thing. Uh, Paul, he had one bad thing. It was that thorn that was in his side. But Joseph, everywhere Joseph went, there was travail. There was problem. There was trouble. There was trial. There was issue. And what that was, it wasn't because Joseph was a dumb man that didn't know where to lead his life. But it was because God had a great purpose for Joseph. But the enemy wanted to do everything he can to Stop it. You've got to understand this morning that I believe God don't save nobody for nothing. God didn't save you just to see it. God saved you for a purpose. He saved when he... When he created Joe Cheatwood, when he created Chaz Fowler, when he created Jeremy Allman, God had a purpose and a design for my life. Jeremiah said he knew me while I was in the womb. Before I even breathed the breath of life, Jeremiah said God knew me and he knew who I was going to be. You have a purpose this morning, but you also got an enemy that's going to do everything he can to stop you. From that purpose. I see as I look across the crowd. I see some people from all different age ranges. I see some people that's near the end of, of their seasons. I see some people that's in the younger. Starting up. Bryson and his crowd that's sitting there. My son. and, and, and I see people that's in the younger walk. And if you think for one second that, God, that, the, that the devil starts fighting against people when they get 18... You're sadly mistaken. But he starts fighting before Bryson's age, before Zach's age, before my son's age. He starts fighting a moment as they get to the to that to that thought process. I never taught my son to lie. I never taught my daughter to lie. I never taught them to do bad things, but it came natural. The Bible says that men and women, they're just born and then a few days and they're full of trouble. How is that, preacher? Because there's an enemy. There is Satan. He is out and he's warring against people's life because he wants to stop the purpose. Here in the book of Genesis, here in these few chapters, and it's a long story. And you know I'm not a long preacher, so I'm going to try to go through this whole chapter, these, these chapters, as fast as I can. We find this boy by the name of Joseph. We find him being a favorite son. Jacob, his dad, loved him. He knew something about his life was different. 
Joseph could have these dreams and, and God would give him the answer to these dreams. He was a dreamer. And Jacob had given him these coat of many colors. One day Joseph had a dream that he would stand before his dad and before his brothers and be in rule and authority over them. Well, his brothers, Reuben and all of them, they didn't like that too much. So one day as they were out in the field, they, 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 they conspired a plan together. They were going to kill Joseph. But as they began to think about it, they said we could, it would be much better if we could just sell him off for money. So they digged a pit and they put him in that pit and, and we'll find that, that they sold him out to slavery. They, the brothers got the coat of many colors and ripped it up and dipped it in lamb's blood and came back to Jacob and told Jacob, your, your son, he, uh, he's, been, he's been killed out in the field. And he's been devoured by a beast. And they begin to formulate this plan. See, at a very young age, Joseph had an enemy against him because God was starting to use Joseph. So the enemy says, I can't let that happen. I've got to start fighting him now. We find he's in the pit. He gets sold out to, to slavery. And he gets sold out and he gets into a man of a, by the name of Potiphar. Inside of Potiphar's house, Potiphar, just as Jacob did, realizes that, man, there's something about this boy Joseph. The Bible says that, that, that Potiphar believed that everything that Joseph touched, everything that he laid his hands on, God blessed it. And so uh, uh, Joseph is, is appointed head of the house. He's appointed the master of the house. And then it gets so good that Potiphar says, you know what? Everything that belongs to me outside of my wife is yours. Potiphar gave everything he had to a slave. That's how much he trusted him. See, when God is in your life, even if you got to get put in slavery, God can still move and still work. And we find this, that as see, things seem like they're just turning the tide, that the cream is rising to the top, and God is about to start blessing Joseph, we find where the enemy says, hold up, I can't let that happen. We find here that uh, Potiphar's wife runs into Joseph and he asked, she asked Joseph, won't you come lay with me? Won't you come lie with me? And Joseph said, I can't. He said, your husband, my master, has entrusted me and given me everything, but this one thing he's not given me is you. And I will not betray my master. She gets frustrated and one day while the men were out of the house and Joseph and her were there alone, uh, 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 Potiphar's wife comes in and grabs him and says, lay with me. He says, I will not, and he runs away. And as he's running away, Potiphar's wife takes the garment of, uh, of Joseph and rips it off of him. And as she's holding that garment in her hand, Steve, she says, I'll tell the master what he did. I'll formulate another plan. I'll tell my master that he tried to come in and lay with me. And I screamed at the top of my voice and escaped. And he left his garment. Sure enough, Potiphar's wife, she goes over there to the, um, the Potiphar, the master, tells him this lie and this bogus story. And he believes it. What happens to Joseph? Potiphar takes him and puts him in the prison. 
So we see Joseph from up to this point, brother jo- Joseph have went from dreaming big and having everything going good and being with his daddy and his daddy giving a coat of many colors to being in this pit. And then he goes to the palace. God blesses him. Everything seems to be going good. And then boom, just like that, the enemy says, uh-uh. No, you can't have it that good. We find in Genesis chapter number 48, 49, we find Joseph here in a prison. And they put him, the Bible says, in the king's prison. The king's prison is a different prison than most prisons because the king really don't have that many prisoners. And what happens is, is this prison that Joseph is in is a deep, dark, dungy prison. Brother Joe, he's sitting down there, and I'm, I'm sure with everything in me, I'm thinking in myself, if I could flesh out the text, if I was Joseph Preston and I was down there, and I, I start scratching my head saying, hold up, God. Uh, I remember I was having dreams, and you told me I'd be a, a leader, I'd be an authority, and, and you were going to bless me with many things, but God, uh, my brothers have sold me out. I've been in a pit. They sold me out to slavery. I've been in the palace, and now I'm in prison. God, where are you? Say, preacher, I think I've been there a time or two. I have. Well, Joe, I've been there. I said, God, when is it going to come together? Here I am. I feel like I'm just at that point where I'm about to have my breakthrough and then the enemy starts again. And I fall down. And as I, as I read this text, I remember even as a young boy, uh, uh, the first time I ever read the story of Joseph, I was thinking in myself, Steve, I, I was thinking, man, God ain't too friendly with this guy. Here he is, done went through everything. The guy, the guy can't catch a break. And if you'll look into the life of Joseph, he never did not one thing wrong. Joseph never did not one thing wrong. Preacher, why do you say that for? Because you can do everything right and everything still go wrong. See, because it ain't about what you do. It it ain't about, well, if I could do this or do that, if I'll stay in my word, if I'll go to church, I won't have no problems. Somebody done fooled you. See, I found out when I stay in my word and when I do come to church, I have the most problems. But I also got the most power to fight those problems. We see the problem that was endured. The problem that was endured by Joseph. But... Without getting any farther in the text, I want to bring you to my next point. Number one, we've seen the problem that was endured. But number two, we see the presence that was experienced. Because if you'll do this, you'll do some personal study within yourself. You will find, as I, if you remember, I told you he went to the pit, he went to the palace, and he went to the prison. And every time he went to some place that was bad, at the beginning we find this word. These words are imprinted after every time. When he went to the pit, I mean when he went to the palace, I mean when he went to the, the, the prison, every time this one phrase was recorded and the Bible says, and God was with Joseph. 
In other words, when he went and got thrown into that pit uh, and he got thrown into that palace and in that prison, God was with Brother Joseph. He did have some problems he had to endure, but Chaz, he had some presence that he could experience. And I want to tell you this this morning, that yeah, you're going to go through problems and you're hearing me preach up here and you're probably thinking, well, preacher, you're not encouraging me one bit. You're telling me there's an enemy that's after get me. He seeks to do evil against me. He seeks to do harm against me. And I'm, I'm facing this and I'm going to face that. Uh, but I want to encourage you with this. Yes, you may face those things uh, but I would rather face those things with the Lord than I had to not face anything without Him. I'm glad for the presence of an almighty God. The devil can hit as hard as he can hit. He can throw what he wants to throw at me. But I'm glad this morning for the presence presence of God. He's with me everywhere I go. Come here, Brother Preston. You say, preacher, what do you mean with me? Walk straight. With me like this? That's good, though, ain't it? I mean, I don't mind that. But he's even closer. If you'll study out the Greek and Hebrew and all of this, You'll find out when he says that the Lord was with Joseph, it doesn't mean that the Lord was somewhere around Joseph. When he says that the Lord was with Joseph, it means this. Now walk. Everywhere Joseph went, the Lord was with him. You say, preacher, I just don't understand that. All right, here we are in the pit. But the Lord's with him. And then everything seems to be going good. And he gets into the palace. And God starts to bless. But they throw him in the prison. But the Lord was still with him. And then he goes all the way down to the prison. And he feels as lonely and as low as he's ever been. And he's saying, God, when is it ever going to get good? But the Lord was with him. What we've got to understand, we can't focus on the problem, Preston. We can't focus on the situation. We can't focus on what's going wrong. But what we've got to do is just look over over our shoulder and say that the Lord is with me. We see the problem that was endured. You're going to have to endure it. You're going to have to go through it when it all is going wrong. But the Lord was with Joseph. In that pit, he was with him. I don't know, I'm... I'm looking at it at a fleshly standpoint. I'm thinking about Joseph. I'm sure he loved his brothers. I'm sure he loved his brothers with his whole heart. But man, they ripped him apart and beat him and threw him in that pit all by himself. And I'm sure as Joseph's down on his knees inside of a hole in the dirt... He's probably upset and crying himself, but I'm, I believe just out of nowhere, Brother Joseph gets a feeling that he's not alone in that pit. He's not by himself in that pit, but I believe he feels the presence of an almighty God. I believe while he's down there in that dungeon, in that prison, and it's cold, and, it's, and he's lonely, I believe somewhere out of nowhere that he feels the presence of God. Preacher, why do you think that? Why do you feel like he felt it? Because I felt it when I've all alone and I don't know where to go and I don't know what to turn to and I don't have the answers. I'm glad out of nowhere I feel presence of an almighty God. 
the problem that was endured, the presence that was experienced, but lastly this, the promise that was evident. See what happens while he's in the prison. Pharaoh, King Pharaoh, has himself a dream. And his dream's troubling to him, Preston. It's troubling him because he cannot figure out what it means and what it is. He can't figure out from the life of him, what does this dream mean? So he gets word about a man by the name of Joseph that's in the prison who has a mighty ability to interpret dreams. See, I ain't got time to go through it, but this will preach right here. Brother Preston, while Joseph is in the prison, he doesn't stall out. While Joseph is in the prison, he didn't say, well, I guess I'll just hang her up while I'm in the prison, wait for God to rip me out and put me in the promise. But while Joseph is in the prison, he's working for the Lord. He's still doing what God had called him to do. See, your prison doesn't stop you calling. Your prison doesn't stop your purpose. It keeps you moving even when you're in the prison. And because of what he did in the prison, he was interpreting other, other prisoners' dreams. They came down and got one boy out of prison. He told the king, listen, here, if you got a dream, you can't figure out what it is, I guarantee you Joseph can find out. And so he brings Joseph up out of here, and he tells Joseph the dream. Joseph prays about it. God shows him the dream and basically what the dream means, and I ain't got time to go into all of it, is that there are going to be seven years of blessings. God's going to bless this land fruitfully and mightily for seven years. But at the end of that seven years, you're going to have seven years of famine. Pharaoh says, well, what do I do, Joseph? Joseph says, for that seven years, you take a stockpile. You build yourself some silos and you stockpile percentage of everything you get in for crop. And everything that you get in for that seven years will give you enough to make it through the seven years of famine. So you know what Pharaoh does? Pharaoh takes a man that's been in the pit, been in the palace, been in the prison. He takes him up out of a cold, dungy prison and makes him governor. He makes him almost like a prime minister. And Joseph, this is your expertise. You make sure that everything gets done the way it should be done. So God begins to work and fulfills this promise, but the promise is not over yet because the seven years of blessings come and they take a percentage of the crop and they stick it in the silos and sure enough, man, man, God is blessing and there's a bunch of silos filled with crops and things that they're going to need to make it through seven years of famine. So sure enough, after seven years of blessing, the ground dries up. No more crop, no more produce, and the people are agitated. They, Pharaoh, what's going on? Not growing anything. We got no crop. He says, you need to go see Joseph. Joseph, you, 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 you go over to Joseph, whatever he says, you do. Now, remind you, this is a man that was just in prison. Now he's put in authority. He get in there and go up to Joseph, and Joseph says, all right, you give him this much. Well, it came a time that Jacob, Joseph's dad, and his brothers, the one that threw him in the pit. And Brother Joe, it came a time where they needed the, the, the crops that was out of those silos. 
And Jacob told his sons, he said, what are you doing sitting here looking at each other? You need to get up, get a donkey, sat on ass. You need to get down there and you need to get the crop. So they get on their donkeys. They get down there and they, 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 they go and stand before Joseph. Now you got to think, it's been a long time since they last seen Joseph. Matter of fact, they probably thought he was dead. Sold him out to slaves. The last time they seen each other, they was beating him to a pulp and throwing him in a pit. Joseph knew who they were. They knew, he knew that them was his brothers. But they didn't know that that was Joseph. And you know, that, that one thing before I get a father just kind of surprises me. That they didn't recognize him, Brother Chaz, not because he looked bad. They recognized him because he looked so, they didn't recognize him because he looked so good. He said, preacher, what in the world are you talking about? Last time they seen this dude, he was bloody in a pit. They would have never thought in a million years that the man would be in some kind of authoritative figure like a governor. Preacher, what do you mean? Ain't no telling what God will do for you. Your enemies to try to hurt you and harm you, they won't even recognize who you are in a year from now when God gets a hold of your life. That's another message in itself. That one's free, praise God. So they go up to Joseph, and Joseph, he says, y'all are spies. Y'all have come in to see the nakedness of this land and spied out. No, Joseph, no, no, we haven't. Yeah, you've come in to see the, to see the land, what, where we're at, and, and you're spies. He says, so I'm going to lock up one of your brothers. And they said, listen, no, we're not, look, we're not spies. We're just a, we're just a bunch of sons to our father, Jacob who has a young son, Benjamin, at the house. So Joseph tells him, says, all right, well, if that's the truth, I'm going to take two of you, I'm going to put you in prison. The rest of you go down there back to your father's house and bring Benjamin. And if you'll bring Benjamin back, then that means you're telling me the truth, and I'll let you get your produce and get out of here. But if you're not telling the truth, I'll keep these in prison forever. So they go back to their father and they tell the father, listen, the king thought we were spies. He, tried, he, he done locked up my brothers and he told us we've got to bring Benjamin back to, to kind of prove our story. Now you got to understand this now. The last time that Jacob left his brothers leave out of the house with the son, they didn't come back with one. And Benjamin is what he's holding on to. But sure enough, after time passes, they let Benjamin go on with them. And it comes to pass to skip a bunch of parts in the story as they get the Benjamins there and everything that they tell them that one of the brothers have passed and Joseph begins to break down. See, they still don't know that that's his brother. They still haven't recognized it. He hasn't revealed himself to them yet. And he tells everybody to get out, tells everybody to move over. And he tells them, I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. I'm the one you beat up and you put in that pit and you stripped me of my coat of many colors. I'm him. Bible says that the brothers were in fear. They were scared for their life and astonished. We find out after that Joseph reveals himself and Jacob and, and Joseph has a reunion together that Joseph is or Jacob dies, and we find here in chapter number 50 that we read in your hearing, and we catch up to verse 20. The Bible says, Then Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. They were worried about 
Joseph. He says, hey, King, I worry about me. I'm in the place of God. And see, the place of God wasn't, that, wasn't, wasn't being governor. He was in the place of God in the prison. He was in the place of God in the pit. Why do you say that? Because everywhere he went, God went with him. And he says this to his brothers. But as for you, he said, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. This is the way I interpret that. Looking at his brothers, it says, listen, you thought you were in control back then. You thought you were going to harm me and put me in that pit, and you thought you were in control. But little did you know, God was just using you as a tool not to hurt me, but to help me. Because, see, I had to go through the pit to get to the palace. And I had to go to the palace to get to the prison. And I had to get to the prison to get to my promise. So, fellas, you didn't hurt me at all. You helped me. God, you didn't do me no wrong. God, you blessed me. And what that enemy sent against me for evil, God, you intercepted it. Turned it around for good. See, what we've got to understand, and I, I don't want this to go over your head, but sometimes we miss our opportunity on a good problem. We get a problem that comes our way and we go, I don't want this problem. Oh, no, I don't want that to happen. Oh, I don't want to go through that. We're missing out on the best opportunity to get blessed. Why? Because, yeah, that problem may be heading your way and you might not want it, but we fail to realize that God can intercept that problem, take it away, and give you something good. See, the one, one guy said that the, uh, the door of opportunity hangs on the hinges of abrasion. What does that mean? Sometimes you got to go through the ringer. Sometimes you got to go through the pit. you got to go through the, the palace and the prison to get to the place where God wants you. You try to sell me a knife, I'm going to tell you how much have you used it. Have you ever cut anything big down? Why? Because I don't want to buy a knife that's never been proven. And one day you're going to stand before Jesus Christ. And I promise you one thing, you can't make it in if you ain't been proven. God's got to take and let the enemy throw some stuff at you. And when he's taught you and when he's molded you and worked with you, God's going to take every bad thing. And give it to you for good. As we stand this morning. Preacher hit home with me. What's your, what's your, what's your thought here? What's your thought here? That whatever you may be going through today. May, Lord maybe you've been going through it for quite some time. God can take that very thing that you really don't want in your life. He can take it and turn it and mean it for good. You say, preacher, what should I say? You should come down here and say, God, give me the trouble. 
God, give me the problem. God, give me the hurt. God, because if you'll give it to me, it won't come as a problem, but it'll come as a a presence. It won't come as hurt. It'll come as help. It'll come as a promise. There was a boxer undefeated. I mean, he was at the top. He was knocking guys out left and right, left and right. He began to get boastful within himself. He began to say, there's not a man I can't beat. Goes to fight this chump one day, Preston, and sure enough, they get into the ring and that guy knocks that undefeated man out. He went on to win, Lord, 40 more matches, I believe it was. This coach sat down and told him one day, he said, the best thing that ever happened to you is the day you lost. The best thing that's ever happened to you is the day that you got knocked out. The day that you got knocked down. The day that you lost. And this morning I want to say this, best thing that's probably ever happened to you is what you're going through right now. That hurt, that knockdown, that knockout, that loss. The beating that you've had to endure, the problem that you've had to endure. It's the best thing to go through. Preacher, why? Because there's a promise buried somewhere in there. There's some presence you will experience while you're going through the problem trying to get promise so whatever you stand in need of this morning as they play why don't you come these altars are open why don't you come say preacher help me